Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 92nd edition of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the much-loved British actor Desmond Llewellyn, who famously played Q, the quartermaster of the MI6 Gadget Lab, also known as Q Branch, in 17 Bond films. This interview took place in London in August 1999, when Desmond was 84 years old. Tragically, just four months later, he died after a car crash in East Sussex. It was a privilege to have done one of Desmond's last interviews and talked to him about his distinguished life. Can I start off by asking you when and where you were born? Yeah, uh, Newport in Gwent, South Wales, September the 12th, 1914. Were you from an acting family? No, 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 no. My father was a managing director of a colliery, and my grandfather... I mean, all my family have been in coal in South Wales. Yeah. Are you sort of uh, the epitome of the English gentleman as far as the public are concerned? Does that seem funny from a person from Wales? Yes. Well, I am a, a passionate Welshman, but, um, all right, I'm acting an English gentleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever have an, a Welsh accent to lose? Um, not really. Um, I suppose naturally. But I went to Radley. So, I mean, that was in England. My prep school was in England. So I think any trace of a most likely Welsh accent would begin to have gone. And then you see, uh, at the Academy in my day, in, what, 1935-36, it didn't matter what accent you had, you had to get rid of it and speak BBC English. When you say the Academy, you mean RADA? Uh, RADA, yes. Right. I mean, I know one or two people who had very, very strong accents, and you wouldn't even know that they had an accent at all by they finished. Mm. And then they put their accents back. But I think what is interesting from this accent point of view is that if you see any of the old films, um, you see them speaking, people speaking Cockney, I mean, it's nothing like EastEnders, you know. Mm. When did you move to live in England? Well, I mean, really, um, sort of before the war. I suppose I left Wales about 35, 36 to to go to the academy, and then um, I was in repertory in Southend, and then repertory in Bexhill, and I got married there. Then we lived in London just for a, a few months before the war. And then after the war, I lived in London and then went out to battle in Sussex. And then my wife inherited a house in Bexhill and we moved there. So I've really lived in, in England much more than I've lived in Wales. But I am a passionate Welshman. So you've lived in the same house in Bexhill for, what, 40 years? For 40 years, yes. Well, a bit less because uh, my wife uh, made it over to my older son. They live there now. What can you tell us of your wife and your children? My wife's called Pamela. My wife is ill at the moment. She's got this damned Alzheimer's thing, which is rather sad, and she's in a, in a home in Bexhill. My elder son's called Ivor. He's in the Ministry of Agriculture. I think his title is the Principal for Wales. He, he's sort of head of the Preserve the Wales part in England, and he also does sort of other fishery things, all to do with the fishing, because he seems to be going all around the world with that sort of thing. And my younger son, called Justin, he's uh, the British representative for Tertinger Champagne in England, well, in the British Isles and Ireland now. 
and he does all the off-course commentary for um, eventing. You know, he's just finished Gatcombe and all those sort of things. From what I've read about you, you didn't initially want to be an actor. What did you want to be? I didn't know. No, really. I thought of going into the church at one time. I got sort of rather cured from that. I went into a retreat, which, I mean, it was damn silly of me to do it. You know, it was the end of the holidays when I'd had a, a wonderful sort of holiday and things like that, and to curtail yourself three days of holiday going to a religious retreat. Luckily, I had a sort of... didn't feel too well and managed to get out of it in the end. When you were in the army, did you ever yeah. do any espionage work? Oh, God, no. I didn't have time. Right. How do you mean? Well, you see, I didn't join... I mean, I joined the uh, army in on the 12th of September 1939. I joined the Artist Rifles. And because I'd got what's known as Cert A at school. And then I went to Sandhurst, which is an OCTU, an officer cadet training unit, and we were the first OCTU in England. We were still, we were gentlemen, we were officer cadets, and the gentlemen cadets were still there. And then I joined the Royal Welsh Fusiliers, which is the premier regiment of Wales. I was, then went to France in, on the 8th of April, and joined a regular battalion, which was absolutely terrifying because I was the only amateur in the whole thing. And um, then, of course, the Blitz came, and uh, we held up a German panzer division, I believe, for two or three days in this village of Robeck. I know that you were a prisoner of war for a yeah. few years. Do you feel that in some ways those difficult years have been made up for by your excitement of your life as a film star? Well, I'm not a film star. We I'm think a you are a small part actor, really, who's lucky enough to, um, you know, be in all these Bond films. Uh, no, I, I don't think anything. I mean, th th those five years were pretty horrendous, but not really. I mean, I think when you read my biography, which is coming out in um, November, I think a lot of people will say that I've made it too much like sound like a, a sort of a holiday camp. Because one only remembers about um, life like that. One only remembers the, the good things, mm. the funny things. One doesn't remember the utter despair, the uncomfort, and all that sort of thing. Luckily, life does sort of gloss that mm. out. And, I mean, when I'm talking to you, I can go on for hours telling you all the funny things that happened in mm. Germany. But you asked me some of the really depressing things and the things that, re I, you know, it would take me quite a long time to okay. think of. Well, before you got involved in the James Bond films, were you a fan of the books? No, I wasn't. No, I'd never read one. But you did meet Ian Fleming at some point, didn't you? Did Just he come once. on set? Or? No, he came on the set for um, Rush With Love. I think it was the... Um, I think most likely, thinking about it, it was the first day. And, I mean, that is the fantastic thing about... Um, our late producer, Cubby Broccoli. I mean, I don't think I'd ever met a producer before, but there he was on the mm. set, you know, greeting uh, a small part actor. And then uh, in the evening, there were there were drinks. I don't know why, because Ian Fleming was there. And I was invited, but why, you know... What was he like? Was he a nice man? Oh, you can't tell. I mean, the only reason I spoke to him was... Um, because he was in 
I'd eaten with a, with a man I know, and I, I went up to him, and I thought, well, I'd better, better mm. mention it. Um, and said, you know, do you remember so-and-so? And he said he did. I just suppose he did. Mm. Were you ever considered for the other great Ian Fleming creation, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? I was in that, yes. You were, you Only were just, that. yes. Oh, right. I played Mr Coggins. Right, and what did he do? He he had the car. All oh, right. He gave the car over to the. Oh, I see. I didn't yeah, know that. he was the owner of of yeah. Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang. Because right, mm. there was really no such character as Q in the James Bond books, was there? No. Who came up with the idea of calling him Q? Um, well, I think the two of them, Richard Mainbaum and um, Terence Young. You see, the real character, his name is Major Boothroyd. Now, Geoffrey Boothroyd who is a gun expert from, from Glasgow, wrote to Ian Fleming, and he said he'd become extremely fond of James Bond. He liked everything about him except his deplorable taste in weapons, and that, that a Beretta was a useless gun and only used by a lady, and not a very nice lady at that. So Fleming made him his arms expert. But when they started making the films, we had Major Boothroyd confiscating his Beretta and um, giving him his war for PPK. Now, luckily for me, the chap who played that part wasn't available, and so I got the part. Mm. And uh, the first line of Russia with Love is, ask Major Boothright to come in. And Terence said, we can't do that because it's a different character. Mm. So they changed the line to ask the equipment officer to come in. Q Branch has got together a certain amount of equipment. And then I think the point was that, as an equipment officer, I became the quartermaster. Mm. Uh, Q has always seemed a bit uh, tetchy with James Bond, always feels yeah. that he's been disrespected and so on. The point that was is that, that it was all to do with um, Guy Hamilton. In the rehearsal for Goldfinger, um, I was working away at a desk when Bond comes in, and I got up to greet him, and Guy said, no, don't take any notice of this man. And I sort of said, well, I mean, this is Bond. And he said, yeah, I know, but you don't particularly like him because he, he doesn't um, respect your gadgets. And I'd already had the script and I knew I'd learnt my lines and I thought they were bloody awful lines. I couldn't understand sort of how, how they fitted in. But, of course, as soon as I played him with this antagonism towards Bond, it all fitted in. Why were you not in the films Dr. No and Live and Let Die? Well, the reason I wasn't a doctor, no, is because, uh, I don't know, I suppose I was never thought of. I mean, you know, why wasn't I in with any film, you know? You name a film, why else? You know, you, I, I don't suppose my name was put up, or uh, I don't know why. And the reason I wasn't in um, Live and Let Die, I think, is was, I think Harry Saltzman had a sort of a feeling that um, the gadgets were taking over too much. You were very much, as a uh, reputed to be a great English gentleman. What did you think of James Bond's womanising and gambling and things in the early days? Oh, well, of Q, as Q, he, did, he, he doesn't like it. He doesn't approve at all. What about you? I mean, you're, you're in a vehicle which sort of almost promotes that kind of behaviour. Well, I couldn't care less. I mean, after all, I mean, uh, from a point of view of, uh, uh, of playing a character and being oneself, is, I mean, two totally different things. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had girls throwing themselves at you in the hope of becoming a Bond girl by knowing you? No, I wish they had, no. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of things do... Presumably you get recognised a great deal. Yeah. What sort of things do people say to you in the street when they see you? 
Well, there's some of them. It, in the street, it's just sort of morning queue as, as they walk past. You know, being a small part player, I am paid extremely well for what I do in the Bond films, but it's not like these film stars. I mean, I don't get millions. And so, I mean, I haven't got a private jet and I haven't got a chauffeur and a car and everything like that. I've got a, a very adequate car. I mean, it's not a modern one. It's an N registration, which I drive about in. And I go by train and underground, and I've just come back from Ireland. I, go, I don't fly over anything like that. I take the car by ferry. And there people do double take, you know, because they can't understand why I am doing this. I mean, what is interesting is a little boy, when I went to fetch my uh, small son, my grandson from school, a chap came up to me, a little boy came up and said... You play Q in the Bond films, don't you? And I said, yes. And he said, where do you live? And I said, Bexhill. You live in Bexhill? And I said, yes. Why don't you live in Hollywood? <laughs> you know. And that is the attitude. And I'm Sorry, you, you've always said that you're very bad about gadgets. You're not very good yeah. with gadgets. How bad are you, for instance? Hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. Yeah. I mean, give me something. Can you well, I mean, fix a plug? Or? I would go, oh, I can do all that sort of thing. I can do, but I mean, I go into a hotel and turn on the television, it won't mm. work. And then I feel such an idiot when rings down and says, Your television doesn't work. And they come up and look and it hasn't been plugged in. Well, you know, it's not my job to see whether the mm. television is mm. plugged in. And I mean, the keys to the door, you know, one can't get those sort of fixed. Now, Q is very famous for his ties. Yeah. Do you have a say in which ties he wears for which film, and which one will he be wearing in the next Bond film? No, no, no. I wear my what ties. I mean, I, I've sort of worked out about Q, you see. I mean, what he is. Mm. He was in the uh, Guards Armour Division, so he wears an armoured division tie. Mm -hmm. He's a member of the Guards, so he wears a Guards tie. He was at Radley, so he wears all the Radley ties. I mean, he was an exceptional sportsman mm. because he also played rugger, which he rode, and played cricket for Radley, which, of course, you mm. couldn't do all that. And then I've worn the old Radley and tie, and then I wear the Newport rugger tie and the MCC tie, which is not, which is the Malpas Cricket Club tie. And Desmond, then the last film, I've worn the Farmers Club tie. Right. Which is your favourite of all the Bond films? Oh, naturally, Licence to Kill, because I had the biggest part in it, mm. yeah. Mm. And the Bond girls has been a favourite? Well, I never meet them. Oh, right. You see, I mean, the, I have met the... I mean, I had a scene with Jules St. John in Diamonds of Forever. I said good morning to Barbara Bach in Spy That Loved Me. I waved to Diana Rigg, and I did have a scene with Carrie Lowell. Mm. But those are the only Bond leading ladies. Mm. And I did meet the Bond girls in Octopussy. Which is your favourite James Bond? I haven't really got one, because mm. they're all highly competent actors, mm. and they're all totally different. Mm. And it really is whichever Bond you saw first. Has there been a favourite line in the Bond films that you've enjoyed saying or being said to you? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, people keep quoting lines at me. But I've rather forgotten them. I, you know, I never joke about my work and all that, mm. that sort of thing. Yeah. What's your favourite gadget been? I haven't got one. Right. If you're offering me one, I'd naturally take the BMW. <laughs> oh, OK, right. Um, do you ever watch the Bond films yourself? I mean, apart from when you go to the premieres and um, Yes. I mean, some of them I do, and some of them... I mean, it just, mm. just depends, really. 
I think that the thing is with all people that when a Bond film is on, you may turn it on and you don't turn it off, you watch mm. it. And I think what is so incredible, really, when you think of it, that this series of Bond films they're showing at the moment on ITV, that most of them are 30 or 20 years old. Everybody has got a video of them, yet they are still in the top ten. And some of them are even number four. What can you tell us of the next James Bond film, The World Is Not Enough? Well, I've heard it's, you know, it's well up to standard. Um, I've seen bits of it. Oh, it's much too complicated. Right. (laughs) You know. And it's rumoured to be your last Bond film, is that true? Well, no, no. I mean, it isn't. As, I, mean, I mean, it's up to the producers and God. And if the producers still want me and God doesn't, I'm perfectly prepared to be in the next one. I hope to be anyway. It's said that when Q goes, R will take over. Is that right? Well, I presume so, yes, mm. because I've said all along that one ought to have an assistant because I can't go on forever, much as I'd like to. And John Cleese is in this one. And he's terrific. And, you know, I'm only hoping that um, I shall be alive and kicking to do the next because I think, with any luck, we might have quite a lot of fun together. Mm. How much do you see now of Sean Connery, Roger Moore, George Lazenby, whatever? No, I, I haven't seen Sean for years. I met I meet Roger Pierre. I mean, uh, he was at the um, <laughs> Prince of Wales's do, you know. He was in that. I met him then. But I haven't met any of the others. You've watched the world change a great deal over the last 50 mm-hmm. years or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, does it bring sadness to you or pleasure to you? Uh, I don't know. I think it's deteriorated. I don't think life's nearly as much fun as it used to be. I mean, everything is so bloody politically correct, you know. I mean, I'm uh, passionately fond of rugger and things like that, but I mean, all this nonsense today, bringing the game into disrepute and all that nonsense, you know, and a bit of punch-up in the scrum, which one always had. You know now, oh, God, you mustn't do that. It's a bad example. This is bloody television, if I may say so, prying into... Um, I think we had we lived in a much rougher and sort of... But I'm against all this political correctness, you know, really. Are you a royalist? Yes, uh, definitely. I really am, yes. Have you ever hoped for a knighthood? Good God, no. What for? <laughs> What do you think has been your greatest contribution to life? Well, I suppose Q, in a way, isn't it? I mean, I mean, the Bond films are so incredibly popular. I think the Bond films have done a, a lot of good. I mean, I, I remember a clergyman telling me the other day, you know, he's talking about Bond, and he said, you know, when I'm really tired and fed up and, you know, miserable and all that sort of thing, do you know what I do? And I thought, well, perhaps you go in and say a prayer or something like that. And he said, well, no, I just pour myself a swift drink and watch a Bond film and all my troubles disappear. Mm. And I think that is true, that it is wonderful relaxation. To what extent do you think, though, that playing Q has limited your opportunities as an actor? Yes, well, it's very lucky. It's all happened when I was, you know, was old. I mean, if it hadn't been for the Bond films, I'd have been out to grass years ago. And it wasn't really till the videos came out and the sort of television got cracking that all other televisions and things dried up. But now I've, I've done three or four amateur films... I know you don't get paid for them, but they are great fun. And they do sort of show that I don't have to be Q. And I have just done a film in Germany 
which is about um, somebody putting a bug in, in, in into the computers and mucking up the millennium, where I play a professor, and I'm told that I'm absolutely nothing like you in that. So, I mean, I'm hoping that that's going to be seen. Do you feel you've been given the credit you deserve as an actor? Oh, I think so. I mean, people say, what a bloody marvellous actor I am, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I've never been able to prove it. What's the greatest tribute you've ever been paid, do you think? Well, I think that is, you know, that I get so many letters from people saying well, what enjoyment I've given people through the Bond films. And, I mean, it is very flattering, really, that... Well, I suppose, you see, in a way, it's, it's difficult to say that, but I am unique, you see. There is nobody who has such a small, insignificant part can be as famous as that, because I've worked it out uh, that um, out of, what, 17 films, that is, um, what's, two 17s, what, we say well, about 34, 35 hours of filming, I appear for about 30 minutes. Do you wish you'd done more? Oh, I'd love to have done more, naturally, yeah. Mm. I'm always angling for a bigger part, but I don't think I'll ever get one, no. How would you like to be remembered after you've gone? Oh, I don't know, I don't know. That's a very difficult question. I'd, well, I suppose, I mean, it doesn't matter what I would like to be remembered, I should be remembered as being Q. Do you mind that, that it's just Q? No, I don't think so. I mean, what what else is there? You know, I've, I've, I've really done nothing very much to... Uh, glory for myself if that's the right word.